Take your Bible to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 35 through 43. I'm not going to do that through, I'm just going to do through 37, 35, 37. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll do 42, 43 also. I want to talk to you about the subject of opportunity. The subject of opportunity. What is opportunity? It's when circumstances align up and make something possible that otherwise would not be possible. It's when certain circumstances line up. That's right out of uh, the dictionary. Circumstances line up, make things possible. It would not be possible if these certain special circumstances did not line up. We call it opportunity. And when opportunity knocks, will you be home? Will you be there when it comes by? Can you recognize opportunity? I believe we need God. I believe we need God to see what's opportunity and what's temptation. I've had numbers of people tell me that they were going to get a a promotion or something that ended up being temptation and not opportunity. Now, not all the time. But, I mean, that's a hard decision to make. Is God promoting you out of something or is God promoting you into something? You've got to find out who's doing it and how it comes across. There's a lot of hard decisions God has to make. So we need God. We need God. We need his wisdom and his understanding. We need him to give us grace. Let me read. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Obviously, contextually, he's talking about himself because he is the light of the world. But what he says to his disciples, he says, Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness know not whither he goeth. While you have light, now now he's becoming more general. While you have light, Believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus, departed, and hid himself from them. That is, from most of the people he was talking to at that time. And then in verse 37, it's interesting. It says, though he had done so many miracles before them, the people, yet they believed not on him. We have a group, I've got to pause on that, because we have a group of people, Pentecostal people, specifically maybe other groups generally that believe if, if, there was, uh, if God would do the kind of miracles he did during the uh, age of the apostles, that people would believe more and there would be more people converted and everything else. But if they wouldn't believe the miracles Jesus did, I just got it. Mean, there's nobody, did, nobody out. Wow. I mean, he did some phenomenal miracles. Bob said he went in and he healed everybody in a whole little village maybe a village of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people. He healed everybody that had infirmities and everybody that had demon possession problems or demon oppression problems. He healed them. And all the crippled, all the blind, all the deaf, all, all, all the troubled, all the insane, all the maniacs, he healed them all. And he did that village to village to village. He fed 5,000, fed 4,000 plus women and children. You figure out how many that is. I mean, just there's 34 recorded miracles in the Gospels that we have. And that's just according to the Gospels themselves, if everything he did could be written, they said, and I think he used really a, 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 a speech exaggeration method, the world itself could not contain the books. What he's saying is there's just a whole lot that Jesus did 
that we do not know what he did. We, there's a whole lot of healing he did that we do not know about. Much, many, many more. I wouldn't doubt he raised way more people than what is recorded, raised from the dead, than what's recorded in, in the Gospels in the New Testament. Way more. Yet, look at that verse in verse uh, John chapter 12, 37. But though he had done so many miracles before that, that yet they believed not on him. Would you say it was a great opportunity when Jesus, when you were around Jesus and got to see his miracles? Like how great an opportunity do you think that was? That was a phenomenal, out of this world, universal, woo. I mean, not very many people in the world, think how many people there were in the world, then how very few, few people in the world at that time got to see or be around the Messiah and then to see the miracles that he did, what opportunity that they squandered. They squandered that opportunity, or the majority of them at least. Let's skip down there to verse uh, 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of Pharisees, because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than they loved the praise of God. Now that doesn't mean they weren't saved. They did believe on him. Well, they were cowards. They wouldn't stand up and confess him because at that time, if you confessed Jesus as the Messiah, they'd put you out. They'd just throw you out. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. God, have mercy. These are these people that believe these chief rulers in verse 42 there. They had an opportunity. Every day that goes by, born-again believer, we have these opportunities running by us. Every day we have an opportunity to confess me, confess the Lord Jesus. He said, if you'll confess me before man, this is what I was thinking. If you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. So that's big. Amen? Would you say amen to that? Well, you have that opportunity every day. Don't take it for granted. Don't walk by the opportunity. Don't minimize that opportunity that you get to confess Jesus. Now, Doc Bailey's around a lot of patients. He gets to confess Jesus. He may lose a few patients, but gospel baptists will keep him busy. <laughs> we got enough heart trouble in this room to keep him busy the rest of his life. But we got enough dogs in this room to keep Tom Gillespie busy the rest of his life. Dogs and cats and gerbils and... I, many of you may not know this, but Brother Tom's a, a large animal doctor. He's not just a little dogly, catly type. He's a he's a cow and horse, and uh, he's he's taught he's taught me a lot of things about large animals. First of all, a dead horse is worth more than a live horse. I heard that from him one time. <laughs> I better quit. Well, let's go back to thirty-five and do a little exposition, a little little walking through this passage, and we'll learn something from it tonight. First of all, we see in, we see in verse 35, he says, uh, basically, he's the light. While you have the light with you, walk in the light. Jesus is the light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, he said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 9, verse 5, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So what, what, is, what does light represent? Well, first of all, the Bible says light represents God. That was big. That was actually a statement of deity. 
In 1 John 1, 5, it says, uh, it says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all, the last part of that verse. Light can also mean just good as opposed to bad. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, or is this comparing evil and good there? Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they're wrought in God. And so uh, uh, light can refer to God himself as a name of God, that he is light and him is no darkness at all. It can be just as, as compared to, to uh, something good and bad, light and darkness, which we see compared in the Bible. It also can mean opportunity, I believe, is what we find in our passage in John chapter 12, verse 35, 36. Yet a little while uh, is the light with you. Walk while you have the light. What is he telling me? He's saying, you got this opportunity where light's around you. Use it. Jump on it. Ask God to let you see it. Don't, what, what a sad day. What a sad day it is for those people in the time where Jesus is talking that they found out the Messiah had come and he was there, but they didn't take advantage of it. They didn't take full advantage of it. You're going to hate yourself when you don't take full advantage of the opportunity that God gives you. Opportunity only comes around once sometimes. You don't get a second shot sometimes, just once. Well, going door to door, it hits me hard when I go door to door and I knock on people's door and I say, I may be the only witness these people ever get for the Lord Jesus Christ, I may be the only witness they ever get. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But it's possible that I'd be the only witness that they'll ever get. Or if I'm not the only witness they ever get, maybe I'm the fifth witness or sixth witness or seventh witness, but they're not getting a whole lot of witnessing going to them and you come by. That's How important is, is the day of evangelism? How important is that door-to-door? It's massively important. It is way more as accomplished when we go out than what we see in our, with our hands because we're dealing with invisible things and permanent things and eternal things and spiritual things. That's what we're doing. It's a big. Don't you miss. I think sometimes the reason people don't come door-to-door, they just don't think it's big enough, it's important enough. But if you think and meditate on what, we, what goes on when you go to somebody and say, I would like to talk to you about Jesus. Do you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? May I get the gospel? Do you have any spiritual belief? Do you believe that there's a heaven and a hell? If you die not right now, where would you go, heaven or hell? If what you believe were not true to the Bible, would you like to know it? Give them that little survey. It can literally be the difference between light and darkness. It can be the difference between hell and heaven. What you don't do anything more important than to share the gospel. You just don't do anything more important than that. That's, that's big. It's the eternity of other people that's hanging on the edge. It's an opportunity is what I'm getting at, to be able to be a witness. The Bible says, and we read there, that he hid himself from them. You say, what? I thought Jesus wanted all people to be saved. I didn't think he ever hid himself from folks. He said he wouldn't cast his pearl before swine. There's no amount of crying or agonizing or sorrowing or pining away can replace Lost opportunity. Man, Luke chapter 17, verse 22. The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. That's what he told them, and that that happened. He's basically saying, men, women, there will be a day when your hearts will be longing 
to the days that we're living right now, and you in your mind will covet that those times of presence, God's presence and God's power, and and you need to enjoy them while you got them. That revival time we had, man, I came to every meeting. I showed up, feel good, feel don't feel good. A water heater break, water heater not break, flat tire, no flat tire, car run, not run. I showed up, beat through all the obstacles because I didn't want to miss any of the opportunity that God had there. I realized that that's the glory days. I told I told Brother Paulie, these are the glory days, man. He said, yes, they're the glory days. These are the times that you may not have. You say, oh, we've had revivals for the last 43 years here at the gospel, but yes, there may come a day when there's not going to be another revival. And if you've taken full advantage of the opportunity when it came by you, you'll be able to say, I did what I could when I could. There may be a time when no longer this, this bus ministry uh, or, or proselyting of any kind, is, although in Israel it's not legal to proselyte. You might know that. I'll, I'll bail you if you don't remember that. When you've got, you got 14 people from gospel going to Israel. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't proselyte. When I was in Israel, I just bootleg proselyted. We had one guy that was arrested for giving a gospel track out. And the, uh, whatever their CIA people are, they took him to a room and queried him for about an hour and put him in you know, the, the, you know, the light and the sweating. And the, <laughs> I don't know what they were getting at. They just were all over him. And they finally let him go and come back to the United States, you know. But uh, it's illegal. The proselyte, you want to at least check out what you're doing. You may want to do it more discreetly than you may do here. But uh, Jesus said to go in the world and preach the gospel any, to every creature. So you know what will happen? I, I enjoy freedom. How about you? You enjoy freedom? But if they make a law that if you witness to somebody that you go to jail, guess where I'm going? First thing I'm going to do, the first thing that law is made, made legal I'm going out and tell somebody about Jesus. The first time they tell me not to preach against homosexuality, that'll be my next sermon. The first time they tell me to do something against what the Bible says to do, by the grace of God, I'm going to do what the Bible says to do, and I'm going to take my whipping, take my beating, and, but I'm, I'm going to say this, but when I had freedom and when I had liberty, I used it. Opportunity came, I used it. These are days of opportunity that we've had here at the gospel. It don't take much to go over to England. Go to England. I read one time a while back, 800 churches a day were closing in England. Or was it, a, maybe, it was a, maybe it was a year. I, I, I'm not familiar. Strike that from the record. 800, 800, I think it was a year, churches were Closing over there. Closing. Like Gospel Baptist would cease to have anybody show up and they just sell this for a garment store or even worse than that, sell it for a mosque. That's happening. All over England. How did it happen? How did the once great England who who the sun never set on the on the uh the British uh Sure, because they own possessions all over the world. 
and the, the, the once great missionary country. I mean, England's responsible for the William Careys. England's responsible for the Hudson Taylors. England's responsible for the, what they call the modern missionary movement. It's England that we go back to. It was a, it was a Christian English people that came to the United States and evangelized the United States for Christ. How could that great on fire group of people become what they are today. 4% of English people go to church of any kind. I just read that. That's about as dead as dead. It don't have to happen. I don't believe it has to happen. I don't believe in fatalism. I believe in optimism. I believe in the God that can do anything by the grace of God. If his people were to call by his name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from him, forgive their sin, and heal their land. We don't have to give all fatalism. I hate fatalism. Hate it. Calvinism's fatalism. I never, I couldn't stand it. All things are the way they're going to be and you can't change them in any way. Are you kidding me? With, with the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, uh, great and mighty things which we know not can be done. Jesus reminds his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verse 33, of an opportunity when he says to them, blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. And can I say to you tonight, in some degree, blessed are the eyes that see the things that you see. This gathering tonight. Blessed are the eyes that see the things that you see, the revival we just had. See some people making decisions for Christ, getting their lives right with God, people, people that, that still have a tender heart for the things of God. Blessed are the eyes that see the things that you see. Oh, man. Blessed are the eyes, you moms, that have children. Blessed are, the, blessed are the eyes of the dads and your wives. You have a wife that's faithful to you, and you have friends. You realize what you have. You, you're not going to take it for granted. You're not going to go ho-hum. You're going to look at your wife like the best thing that's ever happened to you except for being saved. You know how you save your marriage? Value each other. Amen. Up spiral. Value each other. Uh, somebody in our church did a thousand or a thousand good things about her husband. I still have trouble getting over that. Personally, I don't see where she got it. They wrote, somebody in our church wrote a card on my 70th birthday with 70 good things about Pastor Lightell. I showed that to my wife and said, can you believe that? She said, man, I can't believe that. <laughs> no, she's all right. I'm going to spend my time looking for the opportunity rather than looking at the fatalism of it all. I want to see God. I want to see God come, do great and mighty things which you know not. Jesus said in verse 24 there, Luke, it says, Luke chapter 10, he says, For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear the things which ye hear and have not heard them. Once in a while in my imagination, I just like to sit back and think of what it would be like to be around Jesus. 
What would it be like to, what would it be like to just hear him, the creator of all that is, hear him teach the, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and the Beatitudes? What would it be like to see him take somebody that has never walked and allow him to walk? Woo, I'd love to just see that. I bet that, hey, that was not a quiet, calm, oh, thank you for letting me walk. That man went wild, man. They, they got Pentecostal. They got hallelujah, glory to God. I had them a spell. The Bible said they leapt and praised God. <clears throat> How about that? How would you, wouldn't you like to have been there when the blind man, when he came up to this blind man who had never seen, born from, blind from birth, and he went under the ground, he spit into the ground. Jesus spit and the earth made that boy some new eyes rubbed them in his eyes and said, go wash a pool of Siloam. And he washed. By the way, you guys going to Israel are going to go to that pool. You're going to that pool. You're going to that pool. Same pool. Throw a little bit up in your face. <laughs> Woo! Man, when he opened his eyes and he could see, I don't even know I would know him. No, I, I couldn't even know what it would be like. I can't even get my head around that thing. Never having seen, and all of a sudden you can see. You heard people. Your hearing was acute. You had good senses. Your other senses made up for your loss of eyesight. And then all of a sudden you had eyesight. Now you got all them other senses that are acute and good eyesight. And by the way, when Jesus gives you good eyesight, it's 2020. <clears throat> but with opportunity comes responsibility. That's right. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. For he that knew not and didn't commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Talking about responsibility there. For unto whomsoever much is given. Now, I would say that's us tonight. You'd have to, you'd have, to have a big imagination and not believe that we had not been given much here in, at Gospel Baptist Church in the United States of America with one of the few countries in the world where you really genuinely have freedom to give the gospel out without fear of reparation, or fear of, fear, not reparation, fear of, well, fear of something bad happening to you. <laughs> I just love it. I must decrease and you must increase. Well, anyway. Of him shall much be required, and of whom men have committed much of him Will they ask some more? You young people raising a born-again, fundamental Bible-believing church, God's going to require a lot from you. Why? Because he's given you a lot. That's why. There are people in the world, many people have never heard the name of Jesus, and if they did hear the name of Jesus, they'd have no church to go to. That have no Bible to read. You say, well, the Bible's in every language. No, there's almost 1,200 languages the Bible's not been translated into yet. If you want to call dialects. There's many people don't even have, we, we support somebody down in, in Mexico of all places. Mexico, the Tenec people. The Tenec people, I think, have come down from the Aztecs or the Incas or someone, one of those groups down there. And those Tenec people 
had no New Testament in their language. And our brother went down there with his, he married a Hawaiian girl, and they went down there, we've supported him, by the way, now over 20 years, and they went down there, and he, over a long, laborious time, translated the New Testament into the Tenek language, and they can hold in their hand, they can hold in their hand now at least the New Testament, but they cannot hold in their hand their, their mother tongue of the Old Testament, just the New Testament. Four-fifths of the Bible is Old Testament. They have a fifth of the Bible, the New Testament. And that's good. That's big. But look at the, look at the opportunity we English-speaking people have had. We got this book printed in different languages. Not every way you can have it. You got a small, big, you know, Gospels of John, Gospels of Romans, you got this in every, we, we got this great opportunity. But let me say this, the sobering side of this is when you stand before Jesus at the bema seat of Christ and every man's work will be made manifest for the day shall declare, shall reveal by fire, the fire shall try every man's work of what quality or sort it is. Your opportunity is going to be weighing into that. You had great opportunity, consequently you have great responsibility. You should do more for God than the person who don't have the opportunity that you and I have had. You have opportunity of education. Well, I went to Haiti. 85% of the people in Haiti had never, did not know how to read when I was there in the, in the 80s, in the 84, 85, 86. They didn't know how to read. All they could do was memorize, and they would memorize something and put it to their memory and use it, but they couldn't actually read. We're living Now, we're not talking that long ago, 84, 85, 86. Couldn't read. And I thought to myself, I assumed everybody went to school and learned how to read. First, second grade, you know, K-5, K-3, 4, K-5, first, second grade. By the, end of, by the end of first grade, they're able to read, and they just get better and better and better with reading all the way through elementary school. By the time they hit junior high, they can read about anything, right? No. There's whole countries in the world. The average kids, they don't even get to learn how to read. Are you starting to see the opportunity that we have? Man, oh man, I grew up in a Christian home with parents that loved Jesus and wanted to do right. And I have, I have tried to take real seriously that God has placed upon my shoulders a heavy, heavy, heavy responsibility. And that someday he's going to ask me to answer for that responsibility. Who's given much is required much. We need to do well. Amen? We need to do well. God will not always run opportunity by us. I think the people of the flood, eventually he cuts it off. Genesis 6, 3 said, My spirit shall not always try with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. You know, he gave man the opportunity to live 900, 800, 900 years. I think Methuselah was 969 years old, and he gave him an opportunity to live a long time, and look what they did with it. What they do with the opportunity? How would you like to live 100 years old? Most of you want to live 100 years old, especially you 89-year-olds. You know, you want to live 100 years old. Now, I'm talking about living in good health. I'm talking about living in good health. I'm talking about living like a 40-year-old, 50-year-old. How would you like to live the 500 years that way? Well, you'd own the world. You'd be able to conquer the world with some time. Well, what'd they do with it? They used, they used it the wrong way, didn't they? That great opportunity, their evil nature took them down the road. They became so evil that God said, I got to destroy all of you people. You, you, you can't, 
You can't. Every imagination or the thought of the heart, the Bible says, was only evil continually. Our brother's been talking about the Internet. Brother, brother Whiff's been talking about the Internet. Good subject. In the last hundred years, what big things have come across our plate? Well, let's say 125 years. Number one, the combustible engine. When, when I believe it was Ford, he may not have come up with it, but he figured out how to manufacture it and make it, make it uh, reachable by the average person. When, when Ford, Henry Ford, came up with a combustible engine to be able to put it in a car, he literally changed the world. When Thomas Edison down here off of the, off of the river was, was experimenting over a thousand times to come up with an with element for a light bulb, and he finally came up with an element for a light bulb, but before that came up with the idea of electricity, alternating current, not DC, but alternating current electricity. When he came up with that idea about electricity and how to control it and put it over wires and be able to speak and, and, and you know, the telegraph and all, he literally changed the world, didn't he? Amen? Changed the world. Not many things changed the world. The internet has come up in our time. The internet is undoing the Tower of Babel. What God did in the Tower of Babel, the internet's undoing. And then the people who invented the phone, um, which I can't right now, the Apple company and the whoever invented the phone, those people combined with the internet and the phone those things are literally going to change and are changing and have already changed our world right in front of our eyes. But I'm afraid it's not going to be like the change for good. It's going to be the change like the people had in Noah's day. They were able to live a long time, great opportunity, but they didn't use that opportunity for God, and it became a great responsibility and detriment to them eventually where God had to destroy them all. We know the end of the age, and we know how this thing's going to roll its way out. Ultimately, God's going to call his church home so this thing can fester in a thing called the tribulation period. And there is an end, what I'm trying to say, to the patience of God. While you have opportunity and privilege, man, we need to use it. While we have freedom, use it. While we can talk to our neighbors, use it. While, we're, while we have a fundamental, independent, Bible-believing church that loves the Lord Jesus and sings the hymns of the faith, let's use it. Um, while we have our spouse's presence, we have people in this room lost their spouse last year. Lost their spouse last year. What would you give for 10 minutes? Just 10 minutes. Just to hug old Ben, give him a kiss on the cheek, and say you were a good husband to me and a good mate and a good, and thank you. Or Brother Walling was Sandy. She could play one more number. I wanted her to come down and sing one more. We tried, I was hoping God let the girl come down and play one more time, sing one more special. I was hoping it would work that way, but God said no. And there's literally been, <laughs> Almost 200 people in this church that have gone on to heaven. Brother, why you got your spouse? Quit fighting her and love her. Why you got your husband? Quit fighting him. Quit trying to tear him down. Love him. Put your arm around him and say, thank you. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. Why you got your children? Oh, you people have raised children. You know how that goes. Whoop, they're gone. 
It's like slow. It's like being tortured. It's like people taking steel on a chalkboard raising children. And all of a sudden, it's gone. All of a sudden, you look around, there's no kids left. I remember Tom. He had his, I think I remember you when you had two children, possibly. When you, maybe only one. Had one. I knew you when you only had one child. He had four girls. They're all gone. They've had kids themselves. His youngest girls had a child already, been married a while. How did it happen? The people that understand opportunity, and while it's there, they, gris, they grasp it and consciously hug it and say, I'm going to make, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to shake myself like Samson. I'm going to shake myself. And understand that the moment I live in is an opportunity given to me by God. The people I'm around is an opportunity given to me by God. What God has given me to do is an opportunity given to me by God. And I am going to use it by the grace of God to its fullest ability. And that way when it's taken away, and it will be taken away, you're going to miss it. I miss my mom and dad. The other day I would love to have just... She just, I just sat down five minutes with my dad and said, how you been, man? How's heaven? Where you sat? Can you see Jesus? It was taken away. But while he was here, we did everything we could to make it happen. While I was here, we, we, we grasped the moment. We understood it was a fleeting moment. You know, I'm going to be here as your preacher. One day, it won't be too long. One day, you're going to say, yeah, I tell. Oh, I remember when he was preaching there, down in pastor down there at Gospel Baptist. You can say that about Winkler Road. I remember when Dr. Don Strange was pastor at Gospel Baptist Church. That's already over. And... Not that you can stop it, and not that it's not the right thing, and not that it shouldn't happen. I'm not saying that. But while you got it, appreciate what you got. Man, we don't have time. Why you have the Holy Spirit moving in you, and the Holy Spirit comes in a message and touches your heart. Move on it, folks. Move on it. Thank you. I want to thank you to those people who came and those were tender-hearted during the invitation, during the revival. What a sweet thing it is when God's people are tender-hearted and they'll come and respond to the Holy Spirit moving by. While you have your mind. Now, normally in a young group, you wouldn't have to talk about this. But in an older group, this is a reality. While you have your mind, use it. Why you can remember, do it. Why you can still speak, do it. I think of uh, driving the bus. Brother Tom's driving the bus. Uh, Tom Gillespie is still driving the bus. Now, he is our oldest bus driver. In fact, I think he's exceeded anybody that's ever driven for Gospel Baptist Church as the oldest bus driver we've ever had. But the first little fender bender he gets in the first little scratch, the first little any mistake he makes, the insurance company is going to cut his head off. And they're going to say, no more, Tom. You can't drive anymore for us. Happen to Hal Riffle. Happen to Hal. We nicknamed Hal Riffle. Remember, we nicknamed him Crash just because he had one accident. Said. Hal Riffle Crash. But while you can drive, drive. There'll be a day you can't drive. There'll be a day that you'll want to drive. You can't. Why you can ride, ride. Why you can soul win, soul win. Why you can read your Bible, read your Bible. Why you've got eyes to read, read. 
That's what I'm getting at. He says, why you have the light? John 12, 36. Why you have the light? Believe in the light, that you may be children of the light. Walk in the light. Believe in the light. Why you have it? And when it's all over, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Father, help us to get a grip on the subject of opportunity. Forgive us, forgive us, forgive us for taking it granted the good gifts that you've given us. So many gifts, too many to name. Oh, may we be a grateful people. May we be aware. May you give us a sense of awareness of what's going down, of what's coming by our our house, that when opportunity knocks, we'd be home and we'd open up. I don't know how God's dealing with you on this tonight, but I know God is dealing with you. May you say yes to the Holy Spirit of God as he comes by and woos you, talks to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.